It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Friday, February 18th, 2022. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Rainfall in Sitka broke records on Wednesday, and February is shaping up to exceed the month's typical rainfall by leaps and bounds. Rick Fritsch is a forecaster for the National Weather Service in Juneau. He says rainfall levels at Sitka's airport reached 2.16 inches Wednesday. Just as a point of reference for that, the previous record for the airport in Sitka for the 16th of February, 0.93 inches, so more than doubled the, uh, the previous record, which was set in 1988. When a record gets broken by that much, even in today's uh, climate of climate change, that's still kind of extraordinary. Extraordinary enough to cause one confirmed landslide. Fritch says the Weather Service received a report early Thursday of a landslide across Green Lake Road blocking access to the city's hydroelectric dam. The roadway was cleared by midday. Wednesday wasn't an outlier. So far, Sitka has recorded just over 13 inches of rain this February, well above the average of 3.5. The trend is present throughout Southeast. Fritch says Juno recorded more than double its January record rainfall. He says rainfall records shattering by such a wide margin lines up with trends climate scientists predicted years ago. Uh, eight, ten years ago, the International Panel on Climate Change said that, among other things, we're going to see not only an increase in precipitation on an annual basis, but we're also going to see an increase in extreme precipitation events. And that gets back to what we were just talking about, which is when records fall more and more frequently, they're falling by very large numbers. One positive, he says it looks like March will be drier and summer will be wetter, meaning that water shortages won't be a huge concern as they have been recently in some parts of the region, and it will be good for salmon runs. But southeast summers also depend on snowpack for moisture through the late summer months, and Fritch says most of that snow has already melted. This year is predicted to be a record year for cruise tourism, but after two years of pandemic, some Alaskans are more cautious about the big forecast. Claire Strimple reports for KTOO. If you ask the cruise ship industry, this summer is going to be big. Really our biggest and best Alaska season yet. That's Josh Carroll, a VP with the Royal Caribbean Group, on a video conference with Alaska businesses and reporters last week. As a Royal Caribbean Group and as an industry, we have the most ships deployed to Alaska that we've ever had in our history. Carroll said... Royal Caribbean is getting more bookings now than they were at this time in 2019, though he wouldn't share the numbers. He attributed the interest in Alaska to a push towards domestic travel this year. But he added a serious caveat. That, that's assuming the protocols allow the, the operation of that volume. I love the optimism, and it would be fantastic to think that we, you know, that the numbers would get back to normal. I just haven't been hearing that from other cruise lines. Holly Johnson, who's run Wings Airway and Taku Glacier Lodge in Juneau for the last two decades, says she's also got great preseason bookings this year, but she hasn't operated for the last two seasons. And even though some cruise ships came in 2021, it was only about a tenth of pre-pandemic crowds. You know, we've just been sort of holding things together with duct tape, <laughs> as you do up here. So now her preseason bookings look good, but that's just one indicator. Johnson still has to decide how many planes to insure and how many people to hire. Now. She won't know for sure how many visitors are coming until they're on the dock. And it's hard. It's it's terrifying. And people are making real business decisions at this point with, with a lot of hope. 
but with no concrete knowledge of what the season's going to look like. She says she plans to operate at about 60% this season, with the potential to increase if there's demand. She called it a rebuilding year. Southeast governments need to predict how many tourists will visit, too. In Juneau, tourism manager Alexandra Pierce says city leaders plan to make $13 million on cruise passenger head taxes. It'll take a million passengers to do that, which is close to pre-pandemic numbers. She says it's the city's best educated guess. But Juno has enough savings that they can afford to be wrong. I don't know what capacity the ships will come at, but I think after a year of no cruise season and last year with an extremely, extremely limited one, this will feel like business as usual for Juno residents. Skagway can't afford to be as wrong. The city's economic model is built on tourism. Mayor Andrew Cremata says his municipality is budgeting for only half the season they saw in 2019. I hate to say the word negative, but almost from a perspective of, let's say, prudence. He says there are two major concerns on his mind for this summer. One of them is labor. Fewer than 1,000 people live in Skagway. In a typical cruise season, that number at least doubles with workers. There are a lack of workers all over the nation and, you know, going to have to get people to come up to Alaska after having essentially two years with little to no business. He says it's extra tough because most seasonal workers make a low wage. His other concern is Canada. Skagway is just 15 miles from the border. Tours cross it, and there's usually a robust stream of visitors from the Yukon. And he and others in the tourism sector have their eyes on Canada's policy around foreign flagged ships this year. Large cruise ships have to stop in Canada on their way from a U.S. port, like Seattle, to another U.S. port, like Ketchikan or Juneau. It's an old U.S. maritime law. So when Canada closed its ports to cruise ships in 2020, it effectively ended the Alaska cruise season. It lifted those restrictions on cruise travel this last fall. At Southeast Conference last week, Renee Limoges-Reeve with Cruise Lines International Association said the current policy is a good sign. But we still face challenges. Um, We're all aware of them. We're in frequent talks with the Canadian government. We haven't gotten to the point where we are moving ahead yet. Businesses and municipalities are concerned Canada could quickly rescind access again and doom the cruise season. Holly Johnson from the flight door company Wings says even though there's plenty of uncertainty between now and the summer, there's one thing she knows for sure. The world is ready to travel again. You know, some of these guests have rescheduled over the last couple of years, and they're just determined to come back. She says she's ready to be back in business, even a modified amount of business. Reporting in Juno, I'm Claire Strempel. Authorities have recovered the body of a man who went missing in his skiff outside of a remote southeast Alaska community Tuesday afternoon. 83-year-old Stephen Peavy lived in the hamlet Myers Chuck, about 50 miles south of Wrangell. Alaska state troopers say he died after failing to return home before nightfall Tuesday. Peavy was reported overdue Wednesday morning. The U.S. Coast Guard launched a vessel and helicopter to assist in the search, and a U.S. Forest Service boat from Prince of Wales also assisted the troopers. Peavy's skiff was found heavily damaged on rocks outside Myers Chucks later that day. Peavy's body was located soon after. His next of kin have been notified of his death, troopers say. A judge has found that the Alaska Redistricting Board violated the state constitution in an Anchorage Senate district and a Southeast Alaska House district. Alaska Public Media's Andrew Kitchenman reports. Anchorage Superior Court Judge Thomas Matthews ruled that the board must revisit how it drew the district lines for East Anchorage and Eagle River in the Senate and Skagway in the House. If Matthews' opinion is upheld, 
the board will either have to provide a better legal justification for the maps or redraw them. He said that by pairing the Eagle River Valley and the South Muldoon neighborhood in the same Senate district, the board violated the right of East Anchorage residents to be treated equally as Eagle River residents. In the Skagway House case, the Cruiseport town asked to be in the same district as downtown Juneau, rather than Juneau's Mendenhall Valley area, as it is in the board's map. The redistricting board will appeal both rulings. Board member Bud Simpson said Judge Matthews departed from previous court decisions. We really owe it to the people of Alaska to take this up to the Supreme Court. Board member Nicole Borromeo praised portions of the ruling and opposed the appeal. She had also opposed the Eagle River and East Anchorage Senate districts. I'm not really seeing what Judge Matthews did as, as plowing new ground here. He was pretty clear in my reading of the opinion that there was a process here um, that was violated in, in terms of some of the, of the board's actions. Judge Matthews found that the board failed to hold meaningful public hearings on the proposed Senate districts before adopting them, and he raised concerns with a quick vote to adopt the Senate districts immediately after a meeting that was closed to the public. Matthews wrote, quote, It is undeniable that these actions have eroded the public trust in the fairness and openness of the redistricting process. End quote. Board lawyer Matthew Singer focused on Judge Matthew's emphasis that the board should have taken public testimony into greater account. And Singer says that that could lead to interest groups spending more effort in the future on rallying people to testify. The trial court seems to be saying that focusing more on public testimony will remove politics. And that's possible, but it also seems possible that, a, that this new standard will increase the role of politics in the process. Singer says that Matthew seemed to say that the board should put greater weight on public testimony than on provisions in the state constitution. So the court held that the, the board's districts were compact, contiguous, and socioeconomically integrated, and yet that it was arbitrary to adopt them. So that that's, that's an interesting, that's a different take than past courts have uh, have had. The judge did not find that the board erred in two other issues, placing Valdez with part of the matanuska susitna borough in a house district and in placing Hooper Bay and Bethel in separate house districts. According to court rules, the Supreme Court could hear and issue an opinion on any appeal by April 1st. That would leave two months for the board to adopt new maps and for any further appeals before the June 1st deadline for candidates to file to run for office. In Juneau, I'm Andrew Kitchenman. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News. Mm-hmm.